protests, we walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Good to be back together. It's Kirk, it's Jax, it's you. Here we are in a very eventful period. Yeah. As we sit here and speak with everyone, Kirk, the discussion of impeachment uh, emerges again. The celebration of Dr. King's life and legacy is on the doorstep. And also the inauguration, by the time we're back speaking again, uh, will be right in front of our face. Uh, but preparations to make sure that is all safe is going on. Um, let's, have, let's you see, have you uh, seen the hashtag, by the way? Wh- which one? I thought it was a, a drink that you can go get uh, in the morning. Uh, you know, you go to your coffee shop. It's hashtag peach, the word peach. And then after that is mint. So I just kept Hilarious. seeing peach mint. Like well, I'm thinking like, what's the, okay. what kind of tea is this? What the kind of culture has done it again? The culture has done it again. So peach mint yeah. is a, uh, if you yeah. haven't heard, heard that hashtag, um, that's what was, that's, what's been trending uh, in, in my household. I don't know about you, Jax, but yeah, peach mint. I can't talk about what's trending on my phone <laughs> or do that. I'm stuck in a particular challenge. I shouldn't be watching. <laughs> got you. I got you. But yeah, but uh, to your point, yes. Impeachment is uh, on a lot it's of locked in. Yeah. Why, why don't we start there? The connection to the um, just a week ago, the yeah. uh, surge on the U.S. Capitol and the accountability. Number one, um, it does not line up to any march we've seen preparedness wise. Correct. That D.C. had uh, from the Million Man March mm. to a series of other. Uh, marches that we saw just this summer, matter of fact. Right. And the preparedness, the level of law enforcement and military enforcement that we saw, paramilitary in many cases, um, that was in place for people of color to march upon Washington versus what we saw with that that ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, while the members of Congress were trying to uh, solidify and certify the election it was unconscionable, unprecedented, unthinkable, and many are being held accountable. Got 160 files that have already been opened by the FBI. We know a handful of folks have been arrested. We're told this is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that dynamic. Um, but the president of the United States, even in the waning moments of his tenure, uh, is being held accountable um, by many members of Congress. And the thing that's been interesting, Kirk, members of the right side, and I mean directionally, not correct. Correct, the yeah. Um, <laughs> of the members of the grand old party, There's there's been a handful and probably more that are, are getting to the place where we should always be. What is right and what is not? Ooh, that's a lot to unpack there, Jax, because it has been a week, like you mentioned, in which me and you were together last week and we're preparing our show. And then you mentioned it, that infamous day, January 6th, 2021, um, is something that we'll never forget. Like that's something that you saw that you see on a movie. 
right? It, it's not supposed to happen in our country. And we are watching it in, in real time. And you are watching some of the heroes. People even lost their lives. And to me, we kept thinking, like, what? this isn't our America. What, what America is this? Because the foundation of what this country was built on, democracy, freedom of speech, um, fair election and voting, and yet people were going there to protest that ended up turning to more of a demonstration and riots about our very own democracy and, and confirming what we all know to be true, which is President Biden being our next president. And people were incited because of the current president's remarks, literally right down the street. And these people now felt that it was it's, it's our duty as patriots to go and stop this, stop this part of our democracy. And I'm scratching my head saying, that, that's not the case. What, what you guys are doing are destroying what this country really has been built on. And to think that in this past week, what's been the biggest story for us, Jax? I think the biggest story is that the most, the highest official in our country is banned from social media. <laughs> like, think about that. The highest ranking official, Jax, is banned from social media because his words and the same thing that we've been discussing, we've been discussing this for the past, what, eight months, nine months, that his words don't unite, they incite. And now people, when now, when those jobs are no longer, when your affiliations are now being attacked, before it was cool because you had Big Brother, which was President Trump. But now as Big Brother, and for all those who's got siblings, and you know when Big Brother moves out the house, and you know, mom and dad and, and family, now you have to be on your own. Cause he, cause that sibling is gone. You got to do it on your own. And now we're starting to see people try to make allegiances. Oh, well, you know, I never really agree with what was going on, but I was doing it for our country. It, it is amazing. that was coming. I thought they were going to wait oh, till he was man. out. Come I thought on, they were going to wait till he was on the street. <laughs> Kurt. I mean, that, that, that's what out. we're, but that's what we're watching though. It's right there in front of us. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking about what's transpiring right now. And then you think about what's upcoming, right? As we tape this upcoming for us will be MLK Day, you know, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, observance for his birthday. Um, we know that there'll be an inauguration uh, of a new president and also the first African-American woman or a woman of color uh, to be inaugurated as the vice president. So as much as we have so much good that could be coming on, we're now tr still trying to clean up what was left from last week. And I think hopefully we can change and turn the page, Jax. But right now, it's, uh, it's scary. Like to think, and I always remember it was a great moment with me and my wife watching. We didn't make it to D.C. to watch President Obama get inaugurated and how much that was a, a piece of history. Right. I don't know if I want to, well, I know we're not able to, but to think that the inauguration and what it means to our country, and yet I'm scared for it to even happen because there are so many people who are inciting that they don't want, they still can't believe that this is about to occur, if that makes sense. It, it is, it all parallels so wonderfully, right? 
Right. The dream of Dr. King oh, yeah. coming to fruition at the highest level in 2008. Correct. And then just another layer, right? And here's the thing I think people forget about all the time. Not so much black folks and people of color. Mm -hmm. No one's asking for more. We're just asking for equality. Yeah, that's correct. And the fact that it yeah. took damn near 250 years for all of this to occur mm -hmm. is absurd. Now, it lines up with the pervasive majority opinion of people of color that there is this superiority. We saw a lot of that enlightenment and, and entitlement of white is right. Um, this is our country. We want our country back. Correct. I saw this great clip. Oh my goodness. If I can get that man, I wish I could put it all on him. My man was too profane, but I was about to give it to Purnell to drop it in the show. But folks, you just got to find uh, a gentleman who strikes me as being from rural America, who was disgusted yeah. with the representation of what we saw. And that's not to say that that's all that was in place, because we've seen right. pictures that are too familiar in some corners of the still shots of what went on. But the predominant majority of individuals who feel as though America has gotten away from them and, and did starting with that uh, beautiful black family sitting in the White House for eight years, mm -hmm. uh, compounded upon things being more inclusive, things being more competitive. Correct. Uh, when we were kids, what was everybody bitching about? On the, it, it was affirmative action. Yeah. And now inclusion is the problem. And, and mm -hmm. it's what is, and this was this young man's difficulty in understanding from the people he knows and group around admittedly that he played high school football against. What are you mad about? Yeah, that was great. Wasn't that great? What are you mad about? Yeah. The truck your daddy gave you? <laughs> the, the lack of deterrence you have and trying to get and do and be whatever you want to be. The fact that you still have your guns and you said Obama was going to take them from you. Right. Like it, it, my man was checking boxes, wasn't he? It was. But 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 he kept saying that word that you mentioned though. He kept saying, just tell me what are you mad about? Like what incites you? Like what makes you angry? Like what what is going on? Because the things that you feel that you were supposed to be angry about aren't necessarily happening. Like yeah, the healthcare you were mad about, you're using. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like you're mad about something that honestly is, is very small. It's, it's very, it, it doesn't really. You're not like, saying what you're mad about because correct. when it comes out your mouth, you sound like an idiot. Yes, very true. You sound like a Neanderthal. <laughs> and, and, every, and oftentimes, now listen, the bold ones will let you know. And I, as a matter of fact, right. I don't mind. I prefer someone to tell me straight up what's on your mind. Now I can deal with you right. in an athletic position. You know what I mean? But you know, also too, I thought that there was someone who was speaking for that group and it was our president. Um, build the wall. It was, you know, watch out. They're going to come in and they're going to, you know, uh, you know, harm us. They're going to, they're thugs. They're this, they're that. And that was, his inciting and giving that pe the, those people fear. And there was a fear that was concocted that never truly was a reality, but made those people fear, oh, this is what's going to happen. 
right? That's what we, we're always in fear in the country of what may happen. But in reality, that never did happen. It was not happening. And so when you work that up uh, again, like, what are you mad at? Well, I'm mad because they're going to do this, but where's the evidence that showed me that? Like, show me the evidence that tells me that this is what's happening. Like, that's not the case anymore. And so as I, I know we're going to move forward with a new administration, uh, with the, the house flip, you know, the, you know, we, we still haven't even got a chance to really congratulate the state of Georgia and what they were able to do, right? Which was supposed to be a, a monumentous day for the, the voting outcome for the Senate in Georgia and how many people came out and voted record numbers. And instead of celebrating, we're still putting out the fires from an administration that in a couple in less than a week will no longer be valid. Like their ideals are no longer valid. So that's the, the I don't mind this exercise, Kurt. I don't mind this idea of holding uh, the president to the letter of the law. Correct. Of what that oath of protecting and defending the constitution and this country from enemies, both domestic, right? Yeah. Oh, so I I did. Things were violated. Yeah. I saw something else too, Jax. I know you saw that. You probably saw this as well. And I forget it was a, uh, uh, I want to say a member of the house or the Senate, I forget, but they, um, they were talking about entering the Capitol and how the Capitol building, and as they entered the Capitol building, they had to go through metal detectors and most of us, yeah. Most of yes, they, they went through the you know, they had to go through the metal detectors. Right. And she, uh, the woman, I forget her name, but she was like, okay, she understood why. But then there was that group of people. Why do we got to go through metal detectors? What is this? I mean, our freedom is being taken away. Why do we got to do this? And they were upset that they had to go through metal detectors and it wasn't going to be as swift. Yes, you have to wait in line like everybody else to get into the Capitol building now because of what happened. And then her response also to is that the same people who are upset that they have to now wait in line and go through metal detectors. Just think about how some high school students feel having to go to school and go through metal detectors just to feel safe. Like it it, it just kind of, again, laws of our nation causing that, by the way, it goes, it goes back into that. There's two different Americas that for so many years, people told us that it never existed, but yet we were all living in it. And it's finally now, like it's finally now in 2021, whether it's the pandemic showing us, whether it's the, the, the president um, who, who will know, you know, 45, if we want to call him, whatever, no longer we're seeing that the two Americas is real. It's relevant. And how do we change that? Because people are living in two different Americas. It, it just, it truly baffles people. And they finally, for the first time, like realize it, like, like that's not that's that's not where I live at, and it's embarrassing, Jax, to us because people outside of our country is like, man, you see what's going on over there? It's like, you know, it's like the neighbors who are outside arguing, right, Jax? Like we look out the window, like, man, I wonder what, right. what's going on over there, <laughs> and that's how the other countries around the world are looking at us, like, man, you see what's going on down the street? Share something with you. 
and I thought about sharing it with you and if I was going to share it on the show or not, but, but it's, it's a post that I saw that I thought was so pointed and it may get people in the gut, but I think it's something that, that really speaks to where we are. Okay. And I was making a walk toward the dream of Dr. King. Okay. Being embodied with the emergence of an inclusive culture that gets us to a female of color being the vice president of the United States. Yes. The advancement from Barack Obama being the president of the United States. All these brown and black faces in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, in governor's houses, in the state houses, local municipalities. But in trying to understand this difference that we're dealing with, there was a post that's credited to Rich O'Connor. And it notes that huge number of our population, good people on both sides, believe in completely alternative realities. That's what you're mm -hmm. talking about with that Correct. duality we're dealing with in real time with the real people, some right. who are related to each other, which <laughs> is nuts. You're right. Alternative facts, as it were, in this space. But just as intensely as one side believes the other is deluded, the same exists the other way around, right? But for Rich O'Connor, he found that in times of confusion, particularly when emotions are running high and creating tunnel vision for both sides, the presence of Nazis are an extremely helpful indicator mm -hmm. that if I'm on the side of that, that I'm on the wrong side, it's time to change squads yeah that if someone is standing on my side and is wearing a 6mwe t-shirt six million wasn't enough right you're on the wrong side if you look another way and someone's wearing a camp auschwitz t-shirt you're on the wrong side speakers referring to what hitler got right you know, sure as you know what, you're on the wrong side. So while it can be unclear in the haze of just the vitriol back and forth, look who's on your team. It can help you understand that particularly the presence of Nazis, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, anyone in that group, that should be your guiding light through a fog of disinformation of what side you're on. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. That's, that's deep because it's, uh, you know, now I think it's some soul searching for a lot of folks, um, some soul searching. And I think that we've all heard this term before, just, um, you know, if you're not part of, if you, if you're not part of the problem, are you part of the solution? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, what are you doing now? Because I could be upset. I could be angry about what you have done or what you were affiliated with before. I know that circumstances, people felt pressured into, I have to do this for my political job, for my stance to be in this seat. And I objected at any point. I could no longer sit. So there's some people 
and, and and I can relate to this a little bit because I think when I was a <clears throat> excuse me an active player, Jax, I felt like I was once maybe where some people felt right now, where you wanted to speak up against things that you felt weren't right, but it was to a point where I'm still just getting my footing. I worked so hard to get to this point that me being outspoken, that me telling people what I feel should change and they would turn me off. They wouldn't listen. And then we know, how do you get rid of that problem? Just get away with the person, get him out of here. We don't want to hear that. And I think that's what it was over the last four years where people just wanted to say, but they couldn't, they were, they were muted. And now all of a sudden it seems like with one week to go, right? It's like that. Uh, <laughs> hopefully this is, it doesn't go over your head too much. It's like, it's like that last week of, of high school and your senior year. And the girl who you thought never liked you said, you know, I had a crush on you since freshman year. I'm like, Can't come on, you wait, you wait the last, <laughs> you wait to the sweet, last, touch. here's my phone number. Last week, your uh, and you tell me this, like, come on. But I, I, you know, I bring a joke because it is, it's, it's, it's the, you know, kind of lighthearted, but you understand like, that's what it is. You wait to the end now and say, this is how I've really felt the whole entire time. And I never did. But I think we can also find, you know, uh, I, I think the words to honestly say, you know what? It's okay. I understand. I think we all understand why. Because once this person was muted, once this person was muted, and I'm talking about the president, once he was muted from all social media, I just feel like in this last week, Jax, as a country, we've been able to exhale for a bit. We've been able to breathe. We've been able to report about the stories and not necessarily the reaction of the president's office. Correct. Not chasing misinformation. Yeah. As we noted earlier. Hey, let's take a quick break. A little later in the program, we're going to talk about what uh, Dr. King's dream means to us. But when we come back, this is the cross-section of race and sports. So absolutely, Mr. College Football Analyst, I'm about to, <laughs> about to hit you with something. Through COVID, mm. through unrest, mm. through a search for justice and equality, college football was able to crown its national champion. Is Alabama ever going to get tired of it? I don't think so. But the president of the NCAA addressed a question in a state of the association about the NCAA's connection with the process of crowning that very champion. I'll get your thoughts on that when we move forward here on Forward Progress. Stay with us. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Jackson and Morrison together rolling forward here on Forward Progress. Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, dropped a headline that I thought was important to extend to my partner that, that lives in the college football universe. Yeah. And Emmert was delivering his annual State of the Union style address on Tuesday this past week at the NCAA convention, uh, which was being held virtually, by the way, because of the pandemic that football was able, not cleanly, but able to power through and, and crown Alabama as the national champion. I didn't realize the proposal was out there. And Kirk, I, if you did, I'd love to see your perspective, but 
Um, engineering President Mark Emmerich said he couldn't disagree more with the proposal that the association should part ways with the most lucrative sport under its purview in an effort to preserve the education-based model of sports that, of course, the NCAA champions are very, or tries to. Let's <laughs> put it that way. Right. Um, the NCAA has come under pressure from lawmakers and others who believe it's unfair for coaches and administrators to grow uh, financially stable for generations. Correct. Um, in this multi-billion dollar industry, while athletes are not allowed to share in those uh, profits uh, due to amateurism rules. There have been these incremental moves toward improving the lives of student athletes, um, but it's definitely not uh, comparable. And it's, it's, I look forward to you as someone who played and now still very connected to these young men and their coaches and their administrators. In many ways, as a uh, professional sports observer and a bit of a layman that I don't, I don't cover it the way that I do the NBA, my perception is it's already separate. There's no championship right. the NCAA allegedly oversees that they don't run other than this championship. <laughs> Correct. So there's something to it. I'm sure they get their cut of the pie, but ESPN slash Disney and the conferences, the Power Five conferences, pretty much run this show, Kurt. They do. And so the framework's already there for a separation of such, but I know full well where the NCAA president wants to at least seem as though there's a fingerprint on it. Where do you stand on this? Well, the NCAA, honestly, they have more of a hands-on the FCS, the football championship subdivision. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily have a lot of hands-on with the FBS, which is the football subdivision or uh, or sorry, the football bowl subdivision in terms of the power five, okay, and the group of five. There's a lot that we all know that different states are passing laws for name and likeness. That's the big thing that's going on now is how are players or student athletes going to be rewarded for their name and likeness? We don't have to guess, right, if you know, a jersey at the, uh, let's just, I'll throw in Alabama, right? Uh, the Heisman Trophy winner. You don't have to put his actual name on the back, but if you put a Alabama number six jersey with no name on the back in the student store, everybody's kind of going to know that's Devontae Smith, right? The Heisman Trophy winner of this past uh, college football season. Right. He doesn't get a dollar of that money. Now, everybody on campus is running around with the Devontae Smith jersey on, number six. We all know who it is. But that was the ways that the NCAA kind of said, you cannot use their name and likeness, but schools found a way around it. But yet they still could not compensate the players, the student athletes. I keep saying players, but the student athletes. This has been a... There's always been this sort of conferences and then the NCAA. We all know that the SEC is its own entity. The, the Southeastern Conference is its own entity. For the amount of money, right? The amount of money they bring in 
with them also having their own network, with them also partnering with ESPN, with them being the premier college football conference in all of America and the dollars that they bring in. Trust me, you can see it when they're moving the primetime SEC game from CBS, which I've grown to love and watch. That's Disney wants that. And Disney took that. And in the future, we'll be seeing that on ABC now. I'm bringing all these things up because Mark Emmert and, you know, that's the NCAA is trying to keep their hands on collegiate sports. And for the most part, you're starting to see that we don't need you. The power of five and group of five also basically they're all these mini corporations. The SEC is a mini corporation, the Big Ten, Big 12, ACC, Pac-12. They want to kind of have their own rules. They want to be able to pay their student athletes. The thing is, I've talked to administrators and people. It's not like they don't want to. It's the NCAA is not allowing to. But if we distance ourselves from them or if we disconnect from them, will we be able to do that? Because you mentioned there's a lot of people making a lot of money. And yet a lot of these kids, and I'll say kids because a lot of them are coming out of high school, Jax, their earning power may be only those two or three, four years that they're actually in college. The majority of them, right? That's a majority of them. I mean, how many kids that we know that can go to high school, I mean, go come out of high school and have more of a following than grown men, right? I think in the NBA, a guy who's actually playing well right now, but we've seen him grow up and had he been able to go to college and, and show his brand off, but a LaMelo ball, right? Now we, no, we, you know, whatever you think about his dad, LeVar and his other brother, you know, Lonzo, who's already in the NBA, but these guys were trying to show us the model of, look, I have a brand. I have a name. I have a likeness that people want to be a part of. And my earning power may be at its height at the age of 19 and 20, but the NCAA says I can't make any money off of it. It's, it's against our rules. But why so? Because if you allow me to play, you're going to get the TV dollars. You'll hype me up. You know, you'll say one of the best college basketball players in the game, LaMelo Ball, takes on whatever school. But yet you get the revenue for the commercials and advertising where all I get is a sack lunch <laughs> and maybe a pair of shoes from the university. That's what's kind of ongoing. And you're starting to see that fight right now. And I hope the fight continues because I do think compensation works, but that oh hey, we're paying for your scholarship. That's just that's not working anymore. That's and it won't. It work. just doesn't compare to the amount of money no. that's coming in. Uh, Emirates said that the NCAA remains determined to pass a association name, image, and likeness rule, mm. and that the rule would make it easier for some athletes to transfer without permission as soon as possible. Uh, but it did not offer a timeline. In this no. space, uh, some other things that he noted uh, as unfinished business to accomplish in 2021 uh, increased diversity among the men and women who hold administrative positions. Correct. And coaching positions in college sports. Um, the numbers still are terrible. He said they don't look good. I'm going to yeah. go further. The numbers are terrible. When you look at prominent revenue sport generating athletes, 
and the folks who are telling them what to do. Mm. Jax, it's, it's, um, you know, obviously we're seeing more diversity now in um, the, you know, high level administration roles, right? You want to see more um, people of color in that athletic director role, prominent roles. Um, but there is that one aspect. And for me, if I'm focusing on football here and I was before we kind of got on today to talk, you know, just to, to, to tape our show, I was on a phone call, a webinar about some of the struggles that coaches have, especially African-American coaches. Because in college, if I told you, man, I have a black coach on my staff, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is he must be a strong recruiter. Or, you know, I got a black, oh, man, is he, is he part of the uh, player relations? So, oh, I got a, you know, or I have, a, I got a, a white coach who's my, Offensive coordinator, oh, because he, he's X's and O's. That's the stigma around college sports. In not college, I would say college football for sure. Like, here's a guy who, either when you're African American, you're a hard nosed recruiter and an assistant position coach, or or, a, or you're a position coach. But if you're white or non minority, you're considered more of you're the offensive coordinator, right? Or you're the X's and O's guys of the team. That perception is what needs to change. That's what Emirates is talking about. Like schools have to look at that and say, are we doing the best in terms of hiring people who are going to be next up? Because we know you only can go up from, from a coordinator position. The next job is the head coach. But from an assistant coach, you got to go or a position coach, you got to go from position coach to coordinator, coordinator to head coach, like the steps or the levels are totally different. And that's where college sports, they, they need to attack that. They need to figure out how do we change that? Because you want the faces of your coaching staff and your administration to reflect the actual athletes on the floor. That is Kirk Morrison. I am Jason Jackson. This is Forward Progress. We'll take another break when we come back. What Dr. King's dream and vision means to us and how we see it embodied each day and the fight that still remains as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Glad you stayed with us, Jackson and Morrison, Jason and Kirk. And I have this pleasure over on NBA Radio each year to host uh, a remembrance of the life and legacy of Dr. King. And uh, on Monday uh, coming, we will, as a nation, pause and respect his impact on equality and justice in America. Slain for trying to get that for everyone. When you think about Dr. King being uh, assassinated in, in Memphis, um, he was working for all people yes. in a strike um, that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, sanitation workers were having at the time. And that was black men, the white men, yeah. and, and all families impacted. And so I'm so excited uh, to present that once again. And it provides me a platform. Yeah, Kirk. 
No, have you had a chance to go see the MLK monument in DC? Yeah. Have no, you both, both DC and and uh, it's magnificent. It's it's mm-hmm. stunning. I'm um, sitting there right on the base in, in DC. Yeah, like um, what is it's, it's that's the question I wanted to ask you, Joe. Yeah. Like, I don't know about for you. I know that when I the first time I went and I had to go seek it out, I was there for a conference and I had about uh I said about I had about four or five hours to kind of, you know, of my own time. And I had not seen it yet, Jax. I, and I wanted to see it because I've always seen pictures of it. Mm-hmm. I've seen people, uh, you know, especially around, like you said, MLK Day, people are going there to pay their respects, take pictures and photos. I've seen different groups go and go visit it. But until you actually get there, I can't tell you the emotions that came over me, Jax. Like the emotions that came over me in seeing just the face like the just everything about him, like wow, like I felt like, and this is and this is no lie, or like the kids say, no cap. Um, like I felt like he, that that monument, that statue was talking to me, Isn't especially especially when you walk through. And for people who have not been to the MLK monument in D.C., his words are also written along the sides, and you can read his words, things that he said, things that he preached, his I have a dream speech, all of that is there. And so as you were just speaking about it, it just kind of brought up my mind. I mean, it just brought to me that in this remembrance of the first time that being there and seeing that monument and how moved and overwhelming it kind of was to where you know, I kind of welted up a little bit. I'm like, why is this happening? (laughs) Because it's like you're reliving everything that he went through. And this is a piece of him that will live on forever. And you're constantly, if you go get away from it, no matter what, you're constantly reminded of it every single year in his remembrance of his birthday. Yeah, I was just there last year as a part of our legacy life celebration for the Miami Heat, for Dr. King, right. uh, we did an Atlanta, D.C., Memphis shoot uh, all in one piece. Uh, obviously, three different days, and the planning was magnificent. And our execution um, led to an Emmy nomination. Matter of fact, um, I, I've been blessed to win a few. I never wanted to win one more. Uh, <laughs> we weren't fortunate enough to push through on that front. But just the recognition of the work of being able to draw the beginning of a movement, yeah. uh, the powerful crescendo of it, and the devastating uh, assassination in, in, in Memphis was an impactful journey. And, and I'm so glad we're using it for a second year. I, I want to use it until I don't look the part anymore. That, that's how good right. um, that particular, particular production came about. Um, and I think so much about the timeline and how it fits our lives still mm-hmm. um, for those of us who aren't quite 50 and older, like this is an active functioning thing. Um, four years had passed since Dr. King was assassinated by the time I was born. Dr. King was just such a firm presence, even in death uh, and watching the nation grapple with, we don't have a holiday that signifies a single individual in American history. Yeah. And the struggle many had of 
the very first one's going to be this black man. Mm. And I'm glad the nation got out of its own way. And it was difficult. That move through the late 70s and 80s to get this holiday on the docket. And for those that don't know and just enjoy a day off, uh, this was a progressive thing, right? Mm -hmm. It was made a national day of observance, but then all of the states have to ratify it. And there were states like Arizona holding out to the very end. Yeah, I remember that was yeah. Charles Barkley thing. Remember Charles Barkley kept saying, "Until y'all honor that man's birthday, I'm not calling myself a, a man of Arizona, the state of Arizona, or Phoenix." Or, yeah, I thought this man who won an MVP and went to a finals in that yeah. place, uh, calling people on the carpet for that. Um, it, it's 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 wonderful to get into what I call the glorious simplicity of what the man and the movement were about. Get off our necks, get off our backs and allow everyone an opportunity that, that we're talking about schooling. We're talking about homes and living. And uh, that concept was so foreign to so many. And, uh, and then to do it nonviolently, come on now, yeah. let's talk about it. Let's talk about those hoses and German shepherds and, 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 Billy clubs on the head and, you know, there, there's so many moments that, that you can speak of that the, 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 you can't count how many times the Reverend doctor was incarcerated, but right? it's crazy. To, yeah. Injured. It's um, crazy to think that your death experience. No, like the, the crazy to think that what you speak of in that moment right now, the German shepherds, the, uh, the, the water hoses, but then it was also depicting of Jim Crow and the really the two Americas that people first saw. But when we got rid of Jim Crow, I was like, oh no, everybody's equal. We're all equal. No, you don't have to go to the colored restroom or drink from the colored fountain or, um, you know, you, you don't have to eat at a different restaurant because of all of that. Jim Crow went away and segregation and all that and, and Brown versus the Board of Education. No, we're all equal in which we thought. But I think from just that time period of Dr. King and what he was trying to tell people that we we have a divide in this country and we want you to see it. No, 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 no. We're going to make sure we'll show you. We're going to pass these laws in our country. We're all united and we're whole. And we kept saying, no, we're not. So you mentioned that from the 60s, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000. It's 2021 and people are like, so this is what y'all been talking about since Dr. King. Like, this is what y'all been talking about since King and Malcolm X and all these leaders. It was like, yeah, it ain't changed. It's still the same. Have we gotten better? Minimally, yeah. Small infractions. Could we be better? Absolutely. Is equality still in our mind? Absolutely. But the same things that Dr. King was preaching, it seems like every year, more so now, it hits harder. It hits home a lot harder now. It, it hit different right now. You feel like your kids are getting the, the proper instruction about that period from a schooling standpoint, or, or as we get further from it, is the intensity yeah. differing? I mean, I feel the responsibility to make sure I supplement right. all of that in, in the house. But, but how is American history from yeah. your vantage point providing uh, these tales? Yeah, my stepmother uh, was is a was a was a former high school, middle school teacher, assistant principal, and so obviously academics in my household was 
growing up was was a must. And especially African-American culture, right? I had cousins who taught in the African-American uh, studies departments. And trust me, you know, walking around the house in the dashiki was was all good. Trust me, I had a Come on, man, I had Black History Month flashcards. <laughs> Come on now. So, yeah, it was having to know who you are first and then what's going on. But again, Jax, we're always having these discussions, especially with the people who you're around. And it was the floating joke last week that um, if you haven't invested in Westinghouse, McGraw-Hill, um, all of these textbooks, because you better do it now, because guess what? They all have to be rewritten. Like you think about all the books that we had growing up, it just had just a blip of American culture. Those are now obsolete. How will they even write the last five years, four or five years, or since even Obama became president and in ongoing? This story is still being told. This story is still being written. And it is unbelievable how much history literally has just happened in the last 12 years, 15 years. Like, how do we write that? How do you preach that? How do you understand that? And I think that's our opportunity now, Jax. We got to do it as grandfathers. We got to do it as husbands, wives, brothers. However, but it's, I think neighbors. it's on us. As, as neighbors. neighbors, man. Yeah, yes. it's set now. In that, no, in I, that, catch, I catch young kids any way I can yeah. get them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. As, as we get to the end of the show, I'm getting this revelation about just how far we get away from the church, too. Mm-hmm. And there are struggles and obviously different denominations and ideologies. Right. But the church was the centerpiece of that movement. And Correct. as we have come up in the world and you and I both work weekends and yeah, <laughs> we come up with every excuse in the book, you know, and not you to go. get into fellowship. But not trying not to get away from the tenant that the golden rule, while shifts a little bit in the workplace, still applies. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And I know we're moving into a place where we, we, we should advance our mind and figure out how someone wants to be treated and then incorporate some of that, too. But if you're free, why don't you think someone else wants to be? If you have opportunity, why wouldn't you think someone else would want that opportunity? Yeah. If you were learned, why wouldn't you think everyone would want to know what you want to know? There's some individual foolishness that occurs from person to person, but we need to be mindful of the fact that uh, opportunity is all we're talking about. Equal footing and justice in those places. It's okay. It's okay to share. That's that's basically what you're saying, right? <laughs> it goes down. I got a little little guy who's in preschool, and I tell him all the time. It's okay to share. You've got your bag of goldfish, but guess what? It's okay to share with other feet, with other people, with your classmates, with your brother. You can't have it all. Why not share? And guess what? We'll all be happy. We usually share this space with other people. I'm glad we didn't this week. Absolutely. We got just a chance to talk a little bit. And I heard you last week when you said you wanted to just sneak in a little sport. So I'm glad we had a we chance. We did. We got it in. To discuss that. <laughs> For our producer, Brunel Brown, I'm Jason Jackson alongside Kirk Morrison. We'll talk to you next time.